Hi, my name is Ian Parry and welcome to What the Future, the podcast produced by Future Leaders Mentoring. Today we're chatting with Nina White in one of our special podcast series on Leaders Life Stories. Good morning, Nina. Good morning. You looking good today? <laughs> Thank you, I'm sure. I'm glad the audience can't see me, but I'll take that compliment. Yes, yeah, no, that's cool. Um, and um, so we, we've got a, a really good podcast in front of us today. So we're, we're talking about leaders' life stories. Um, and we met um, first last year at another event where you were talking about um, uh, allyship and the importance of, of that, particularly at, at Thames Water. Um, and I remember just sort of sitting back and listening to what you had to say and, and just being really inspired and, and excited by what you had to say as well and thought, you know what, I, I just need to get Nina involved somehow in a podcast because I think what you've got to say is is important, is inspirational. And I think, you know, to give you a, a wider platform um, and to get more people listening to what you've got to say is 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 really is really important. Thank you. Well, I welcome the opportunity because I do think I think the messaging is absolutely vital. And I think um, it, it, it is really important to put the consciousness of everyone um, to make sure that we are all playing our part in elevating everyone. Mm. Yes. And there were some really um, practical and pointed things that you mentioned on the day that I really liked. Um and I remember um, there were a couple of guys that got up and, and left at one point that you that you tackled. And I really, again, I really liked that because it's, you know, when you stood up talking about something that you're really passionate about and something like that happens, it could it could really throw you. I know it would it would have thrown me, but you just kind of handled it really directly. I'm sure those that the guys got up and walked out. Um, I'm sure they would have felt, um, you know dealt with put it that way <laughs> yeah I mean I, I I mean I just generally think as a point of principle if you're if you're going to listen to someone speak you listen to them yes. speak for the whole time uh yeah. and not get yeah, I, I I did tackle I knew some of them and I tackled them a bit later go why, why did you do that and they had some you know it wasn't about what I was saying but no. it was quite I, I thought I found it quite poignant because I was particularly um, well, I was talking about diversity and inclusion more broadly, but I, I think at the time I was particularly talking about um, lifting up women and then literally about 20 men stood up and walked out. They did. So uh, mm. I thought, yes, well, you've got a lot to learn. <laughs> yes. Uh, indeed, yes. Indeed. It, but do it with good humour as well, because I'm not trying yeah. to alienate. No, 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 certainly not. Certainly not. Um, no, it was kind of like a reverse kind of... Um, one of those sort of mob dance moments where you're talking about <laughs> female allyship and 20 men get up and walk out of the room, just some sort of arranged joke. But yes, yeah, I think you handle it really well. So, so for so for those that that don't know you, Nina, so um, can you tell our listeners who you are and what your role is at the moment? Sure. Um, so I I work for Thames Water. I have my my day to day role is um, around, I've sort of got two hats on really. One is around ensuring that from a Thames water perspective, we are able to effectively um, collect the bills um, and ensure that we have the appropriate strategies around that. 
But then the other hat that I wear, which is um, hugely important as well, is that to ensure that the, the bills that we collect we are affordable, that we are ensuring the right level of support for vulnerable customers and for those customers who are um, both financially vulnerable as well and offer practical, helpful solutions to those. So I sort of lead that as part of Thames and it's something I'm immensely proud of um, having joined two and a half years ago. And the other privilege I have is that I'm the senior sponsor for the Women's Network at Thames as well. And it's a role I take hugely seriously, um, not just as part of the Women's Network, but just more broadly around ensuring that I am an enabler to mm. diversity and inclusion within Thames as well. Um, but it's something that I um, feel quite passionate about being vocal um, because I think nothing really change doesn't come from sitting silently in your room thinking how you know bad the world could be you have to actively participate so hence why i was very keen um to do the um sort of conversation i i, I had in november um I'm very nervous as well because i didn't you know, it, it was a it was a vulnerability in debt conference. So what was I doing standing up talking about DNI? But I really fundamentally believe that organizations cannot succeed, full stop actually, but cannot succeed in this space unless they have a fully diverse and inclusive culture. Because how are you reaching out to the customers that you serve if you don't represent them? Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're you're spot on. And and you know your the the point you make about the how that sat within the conference was is is really interesting because it's it's something that you know these conferences can be quite technical and they can be quite expert led and the people and the human side of these industries that we work in sometimes gets forgotten about so so i was i was like really interested in in how it sat within the day um but also you know, super keen that we continue with those sorts of conversations yeah. in, in, in future events, actually, because it's, I think it's something, you know, whether it be, you know, the importance of diversity or the importance of mental health and just how we look after our people, it's been the missing part of most conferences I go to, unless, of course, it's a HR and people conference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, and it was interesting, sort of, the reaction, um, that conversation had uh because it, it was it was mixed not i wouldn't say polarized you know nobody came up to me and go oh for goodness sake what did you you know what are you talking about mm. uh, but i don't think even if they thought that they would have said that but and <laughs> um, i i do you know there were comments around well yeah really interesting but i think you should have then sort of talked about how it's relevant to debt and vulnerability more specifically mm. and you know that might be a further conversation that might but that really wasn't the purpose when, when I spoke to the organizers in the first place it was it was a subject matter that I'd suggested we do yeah. and they were very they were very open arms around it um and I wasn't trying to I was absolutely trying to link it to business performance but it's also just sort of what we're sort of morally obligated to do as citizens mm. of the planet without trying to sound too you know trite about it um, and so whilst there is 
huge amounts of research that demonstrates the absolute direct link between having a diverse workforce and corporate performance. Mm. Um, I wanted to ensure that that was clear, but actually I, I wasn't trying to do a business talk as such. I was really mm. trying to reach into people and to get them to think about how they are around and, uh, you know, awaken their unconscious bias. Yes. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And that's certainly the way that um, myself and others sort of close around me took it. Um, so I, I thought it it sat um, well in, in, in the conference, um, but, but also stuck out as a, we should be talking about this sort of stuff more. Yeah. these conferences so it was a bit of a, a moment of let's get talking about this more yeah and I, I think we need to hold um individuals and organizations more to account as well mm. you know we don't need uh, and what i mean by that is actually hold them to account for the delivery of change not hold them for to account for nice messaging you know yeah. what are you actually doing that is making a difference what effort are you actually putting in to make a difference how are you building that into the dna and fabric of your organizational thinking because mm. quite frankly it doesn't take any more effort to do it it just takes the consciousness to think actually i think this is important i yeah. think this should always be on the top pedestal of importance because actually some of the big complicated problems that businesses have to solve cannot be solved by group think and group think is when everybody's just like you. And isn't yeah. that nice to be in a room when everyone, you know, is just like you? But you organizations have big problems when they fall into that situation. Yeah. And whilst group think isn't, you know, solely solved by you know having that diverse workforce um, and an inclusive workforce. And of course, that diverse and inclusive workforce has to be at every level yeah. in every type of role. Yeah. because otherwise they're not sitting around the right tables yeah. um but yeah i i mean i i and i i think we just you know I, I, almost to the point where i um i'm not going to let it go sometimes it's quite uncomfortable and uh, um i sort of my my story from i've done some specific work very targeted work within Thames. um on uh, yeah i'm not gonna go too much well i'm happy to talk about it but I, I i'm just trying to tell the story more around but really targeting about what we're doing to support um the menopause conversation for both mm -hmm. men and women yeah. both men and women um but that was really uncomfortable in to start off with because i sort of had to put my head above the parapet i had to almost acknowledge that well, I, I did acknowledge, actually, I have, I, I have some of the symptoms and, and why this is all important to this conversation, because I think particularly as senior leaders, whatever the subject is, whilst you like advocate for it, you don't actually, many senior leaders don't want to go, well, that's me, because they don't want to show a vulnerability. Yes, because they don't want it to be. Oh, well, yeah, I'm fine. I don't. I don't have that. Um, <laughs> yes. And yes. I think that's where you know when I look across DNI, not just you know I look across DNI networks, and and I actually think Thames has. I've worked for a number of organisations, and it has the best DNI network that I've come across. 
but still most of the active participants within the networks are, I would say, frontline and junior middle management, hmm. apart from general sponsorship. And then that sponsorship sometimes can be quite passive. And I, I put a lot of that down to people worried about how they're going to be, be perceived. And I think we need to break that. And it, sometimes yeah. it is really uncomfortable. Um, and not everybody's going to be on your side, but it is the right thing to do. And that yeah. has to, you know, for me, that's the guiding point. It's the right thing to do. And I don't want uh, my friend's family and my daughter to be um, in the same environment that I am in. You know, yeah. she's she's probably 15 years off entering the work environment. So we've got a time to really make a difference. Yes, no, spot on. I like it. Um, so the... The, the, the confident, um, inspirational person that people are listening to at the moment, Nina. Um, I want to just find, sort of take you back a little bit so we can, you know, look at the beginnings of, of, of Nina. Do you, is there, is there a, an earliest memory that you have um, in your life that, that you're comfortable sharing? Um just generally not work not about who I am now as a work person. Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah um yeah I probably do as uh, when I was probably three four years old is probably where I've got more conscious memories of uh, I was still I have a I have a brother but with the sort of four and a half years difference between us so um I sort of vaguely remember it just being just being me and my parents and my grandparents. They, yeah. My grandparents had a pivotal part um, in sort of actually bringing me up. Actually, in the in the in the seventies, yeah. uh, my parents were quite young, and I think about it now. I mean, they were not both nineteen when they had me, and I've, I like I used to think that was well, you know, when you're younger, you think that's quite old. <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh, my goodness. You know, yes. um, so, yeah, my grandparents were a big part of my life. Oh, nice. OK. Um, and, and do you think that's kind of created a lot of who you are now, sort of the values that they had and sort of how they sort of brought you up? Um, yes, to some degree. I think there's probably both. Um, well, so I was fortunate to have a. Uh, you know both sets of my uh, well both my grandmothers um alive until actually I was in my early 20s um I'm a, I'm a mom is still um alive um particularly my father's mom who I spent a lot of time with um both my mom and my father's mom were very strong women um my 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 nan um was didn't work um, it was very that was very sort of typical yeah um but she was she she was the powerhouse you know um she took no prisoners <laughs> and I think there was a there was somewhat you know seeing seeing women not be well, yeah so they, they they did influence me I think my I think my um schooling and the impact of my schooling is if I think about what drives me gutturally yeah uh, it's the impact of that more than more than um 
that as my my grandparents and my mom but I, I'm sure that has you know I was always surrounded by women that yeah. got stuff done yes didn't take any prisoners great no Okay. No, 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 no. Yeah, sounds very much like my my gran. Actually, she was a um, sort of a, a dinner lady in the sort of local comprehensive, mm -hmm. and she was she was known for not taking any prisoners. Um, yeah. And um, of course, she would um, she would give me some special treatment. Um, but yeah, she was certainly a strong woman that I I looked up to. Well, yeah, we were scared of our dinner ladies, so that, was, <laughs> that, that yes. really resonates. Yes. Didn't mess with the dinner ladies. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so, so just moving on from that, then, and thinking of thinking of your career, you know, how would you how would you describe your your sort of journey to to your current role? Then I know you've you sort of dabbled in different industries, and you find yourself in a in a, in the water industry now, yeah. and previously financial services. How would you describe that journey? Um, I, I would, I would describe the bit, sort of the first, I would say, 10 years of my working career as haphazard, <laughs> not really particularly planful. Yeah. Um, certainly as I, um, you know, I accidentally went to university, um, I, I, and I came out of university, uh, I got what I needed to, but not particularly, you know, brilliantly, but I, I, I came out with a qualification, but didn't really have uh, uh, much of a plan so faffed around for at least two three years I went to Spain worked for air tours yeah it, was, it didn't do it and then came back and thought well probably I do want to get like a proper proper job uh, but still faffed around a bit and I think quite pivotal with, uh, for me is in um, I've probably been working for about six years and I, I was fortunate enough to get a job at Capital One and that really started to, well, it brought, it, it educated me far more um, yeah. around sort of just business management and leadership. Um, and then it started to make me more planful about my own career. Yeah. And I think probably then when I was in my, yeah, I, I still wasn't super young. I would say from sort of my, early to mid 30s I then started to be a bit more planful and mm. a bit more strategic about the moves I made um when people you know when people have sort of asked a similar question to me though uh, um my my absolute core response is and, and this is fundamentally true is you know why why do I think I am where I am today and I don't try and put that but you know because yeah. So I have I have sort of no academic right to be here, <laughs> you know. I I I uh, um and actually when I was at school, one of those drivers around, you know, that sort of made me molded me more was I mean this wouldn't happen today, but in my sixth form college, I got the award for the person least likely to succeed. Wow, and that was a pivotal, really really pivotal moment in yeah. that guttural. Yes. that I talk about um and the I, I remember hearing that and sort of you know you're 17 18 year old so you sort of laugh it off haha it's so funny mm. but and I think in the moment I sort of took it well I, I would say I took it how it was meant it should never have been said really now but um but then as I really thought about it I got angrier and angrier and angrier and um 
and that's really been one of those seeds in my stomach that mm. has really driven me. Yeah. Um, but I but I think what I say when I um, coach, mentor, or just chat to people who are vaguely interested, I think the thing for me around my career is that I have um, not been scared of being scared. And I will put myself in situations that I am scared to be in. I don't, it's not a, oh, I'm so confident. I can, no, 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 no. I am absolutely terrified. I sometimes don't know even how to do this, but I've gone, yeah, yeah, I'll have a go. No, but I thought, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, of for my journey of my career, that's been, that has been really the foundation because I've, I haven't always said yes. But I've, I, I've not allowed the fear that's been inside me to hold me back. Yeah. Yes. Wow. That's that's really interesting. And and is is that the sort of the the, the life lesson you share with people? Then is kind of you know because it's it's some of the way you're describing that is you are revealing a vulnerability and you're comfortable saying hey this is scaring me, this is yeah. this is worrying me. I'm not sure I can do it, but I will be the, I'll put my hand up and I will volunteer to get, get my hands dirty and try it. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And it is, so, and, and particularly, you know, particularly with my team, actually, I mean, I'll say, I'll say this quite a lot to them. Um, whereas they, they may feel nervous around, um, let's just say doing a presentation I mean that's that's not uncommon for someone to feel yeah. nervous around doing the presentation and you know people will say to me afterwards so I'll have someone come up to me oh god I was really nervous or and I said I said you don't mistake how you feel inside to how you performed <laughs> they're not they're not the same yeah. they're not the same and so many times in my career and I'm sure this resonates is you've had other people that come off stage let's call it stage not always stage obviously oh yeah smash that kind of and you think gosh you didn't but you haven't got the emotional intelligence to realize that you didn't you're yeah. too confident almost yes. and I think yes. you can be too confident mm, and you then have blind spots and, and don't get me wrong I've got plenty of blind spots as well but I but I don't think how you feel about something in the work environment necessarily translates to how good you are at it so don't mm. confuse the two yeah that's that's a really good um lesson to take away actually um and certainly one of the mistakes i made earlier and, and probably towards the middle of my career actually is that is that um projecting perfection i'm okay so you must be okay so i've got this we're confident we're gonna we're gonna deliver on these targets um I feel good about it and it's just oozing that confidence up rather than just being truly authentic and saying hey guys you know I do worry about this this yeah this kept me up last night um yeah. and you know if, it, if it's if it's doing the same for anybody else let's talk about it let's yeah yeah let's gonna get to that I think it's I think that can be a bit of a turning point as a leader um it, when you get to the maturity to understand that I mean obviously maturity has nothing to do with the age either and I, mm. and I um where you where you sort of something clicks that you realize that actually showing a level of vulnerability can be actually hugely empowering to those around you 
can create uh, and galvanize followership which is particularly in really tricky times mm. that's what you want really and i i um i remember i i remember the first time i consciously did that was um i worked for a uh, bank and we did a big um systems change which unfortunately didn't go uh, as well as um it should have done and we yeah. were subject to quite a lot of rightful scrutiny for a while and um i was one of the leaders in the business and um, particularly in the first few weeks afterwards i mean it was it was really hard in, in it was hugely intense internally the bank i'd worked for had um had previously been sort of one of the darlings of the banking industry and suddenly it was getting a lot of rightful criticism and I, I remember standing with my team around me because we were almost having well we were having not even daily musters we were sort of having intraday musters around what we needed to do next yeah. and um, I, I, I was feeling scared I didn't know all the answers I didn't quite know how to navigate us all through this but I actually decided, even though I needed to be still calm and give the confidence that I was going to help and lead, but actually, um, yeah, so I, I don't have all the answers here. I, I don't, I don't know how we're going to get from where we are to where we want to be. Yeah. And I really, really need your help. Yeah. And that was probably the most consciously vulnerable. I had been, especially, it was probably about 30, 40 people around me yeah. at the time. Um, and, and, I, and I did it because it was true, but I also did it because I, I thought, actually, I think this can be really helpful to the group, yeah. the collective group. Um, and that actually it will, because I don't want everybody to think I'm all right, this is all right, and how they might be feeling, like terrified, <laughs> Yes. is wrong and, and clearly because actually I was terrified and I, I and I and I now do that thankfully I haven't had major failings in the organizer but I do that with a lot more frequency yeah. and I find that it is always helpfully impactful yeah yeah totally agree with you um and now just thinking about um some some real practical stuff I suppose um and thinking about your day-to-day, -day, um, you know, both your your home life and your work life and balancing these things. I'm just wondering, do you, do you have a sort of a strict da daily routine that you stick to or is it quite flexible depending on the day? Um, I, I, I mean, I have, I'm married. I have an 11 year old daughter. I have a menagerie of pets, which is quite unfold, obviously. Um, and, and I like them very much. And whilst I get a huge amount of energy from all the jobs I've had, I 95% of the time love my job, whatever it's been. I just love it. I find, the, I find my energy and, and it's so much is defining me. What I do defines me. Um, but I am very strict on the hours that I work okay. really now that doesn't mean that there's never any flexibility yeah um but I I will generally happily you, you know Monday to Friday give a company you know 10 hours of my day 
but I'm not one that will, you know, as just standard, be at my desk at six and just be working ad hoc, even though they might sort of break from the normal work, but continue to work yeah. through the night. I don't, I don't look at messages as soon as I clock off, unless there's an incident that I know I need to, to be involved yes. in. Yeah. I don't look at messages. I don't look at Teams chat. I don't find that I switch off if I, and, I, and it's really important for me to switch off. Now I can switch off, which I'm lucky that I can. And especially because I do still predominantly work from home uh, and I can switch off, but I can't if I've got my work phone next to me. Yeah. If I'm like just occasionally perusing for emails because I do find work quite stressful. It's a good hmm. stress for me most of the time but I don't switch off. And then I find that I become, even though I don't fully recognize it as much as my husband does, the sort of work Nina and home Nina. And <laughs> if they blur too much, I start organizing people. <laughs> and my family don't like to, my, my family don't like work Nina. <laughs> so uh, I, I am quite strict around that. Yeah. Um, and I don't expect others to do it. And yeah. if others do, then I'll always, if I, if I feel people are working too long, then I will always have a conversation around them, around their motivations to do that. And, mm. you know, um, because often it's not, and, and if they genuinely got too much work and they feel like they cannot even do it without working hugely long days or weekends, again, I don't, I don't, and, you know, it's not that I never have. If it's really critical, I will, but I won't generally. I'll yeah. log off on a Friday and I'll log back on on a Monday morning. Probably yeah. on a Monday, I might log on a bit early, just check the world hasn't imploded and then take my daughter to school. Yeah. Um, and if people are working too long in hours, you know, as part of my role is then to sit down and understand if it's more about the workload, what are the priorities and helping them navigate those priorities. Yeah. Um, because it's, it, 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 it doesn't pay off in the long term either. No, no I agree. Um, and it, it sounds like that you've got a really good balance between um, sort of passive leading in the sense that you uh, sort of virtually walking out of the building at, say, you know, five o'clock every day or even yeah. on, on, on some days and not being present on the weekends is is giving a really clear message to those around you your direct reports and, and and others to kind of go well you don't need to have this presenteeism of of always being around to to sort of uh to, to get on but equally you're proactively sort of talking to people about the hours that they're doing as well so that that seems like a really good balance um that, that working in in Thames and in your teams would would present I think yeah I, I think it's important. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's there's sometimes times when it is it, it can be a, a bit more intense, but that should be and genuinely that should be the exception, not the rule. Hmm. And um, you know, now with now with Outlook, actually, even if you know, sometimes I might because it's my choice. Sometimes um, I might still be sat at my computer at like 6 30 at night maybe my daughter's not home yet and there's nothing you know nothing much to do don't have to cook any tea so I might just be sat there doing something and and actually with Outlook now where if you write an email you can make sure it's it it says at the top that it's not someone's working hours and you can send it in their working hours 
And I do I do use that as a matter of default yeah. now yes. because I think it just um, particularly if it's within my team, but I just do it anyway. But because I just think you don't want to set this expectation. And I think it's particularly in my middle part of my career. I probably did go out of my way to make it look like uh, mm -hmm. I was working all hours. And, and, you know, I probably was working slightly longer hours when I didn't have a family. But um, I, I probably was also massaging it to some degree as well, I'm sure. Yes, yeah. Thanks <laughs> so yes. for a particularly good night there. But anyway. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and I suppose as well, we, we kind of, you know, as you're moving through your career, you forget the impact of, of being more senior has so if as you as you rightly say if you're sending an email that that puts pressure on the other person getting it and doing something with it so you know Nina has sent me this email is she expecting a response tonight um yeah, you know yeah. she sent it so she's working so so I think that you know where technology is helping us there is you know being able to allow us to send it so it arrives when they and next in work and just yeah. those little subtleties are so important I think yeah I think the other you make me think about something else which I also think is quite important so um you know just see just in general day-to-day -day conversation whether or meetings um as as a as a senior person in a meeting you can ask for something you know and um I will always try to make the point of if I've asked for something that isn't urgent well I'll make the debt I'll make the distinction that's really urgent I really need it today I really need it within the next whatever but if it's not it might be interesting or it might it, it just really is I'd, I'd like it but I don't need you to bust a gut over it then yeah. I think being really clear about that and, and often how I do that is just like saying please just add that to your priorities and prioritize it as you see fit yeah. and if, if then if you let me know how you prioritize that's absolutely fine um and actually to start off with i would find certainly with my wider team i was still they were prioritizing it still quite high <laughs> and i would i would try and push back on that sometimes and uh and actually now people just prioritize it as in yeah. their sort of stack of work yeah because because it can be hugely distracting and we've all got bosses and I now I've got the exec uh, and the and the board and so you know we've got to be careful as senior leaders that we don't just ask a bunch of interesting questions that yeah. then distract us from the priorities and yeah. I think that's it that's that is very much a talent of um, senior management to yeah. ask lots of interesting stuff yeah. and distract everyone from the core of their role Yes, yes. There's, there's so many times I've been involved in different projects and the priority is so-and-so has asked and the so-and-so yes. is a C-suite member or board member or this is important yeah, yeah. because so-and-so yeah. has asked and then you kind of go, oh, right, drop everything and, and get on with that. So again, you you know, you just those subtleties of the questions are important and as you say, as a leader, that curiosity and that caring for what's going on is so so important but you know you can ask 50 questions in a day and if every single one of them has been elevated to the top of those people's lists then they just don't get anything done yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent and we and we do you know i um 
weaponize it as well in this well you know so and so has asked for it so therefore yes. Yes. Uh, uh, to our own advantage and you know I know I've done that in the past as well and I'm, I'm probably some of my team might say I still do that and they're probably right actually but it's it's just being as conscious if you can around it we're not perfect no. but it's just trying to be like really conscious of what you're doing most of the time because yeah. Yeah, that's that's the key thing. Yeah, I think you're spot on. Um, So just just thinking about, um, you know, the 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 reason why we're talking today predominantly is because I I saw you talking and and was inspired by what you had to say. And it's a question that I ask everybody that joins us on this podcast. But I think it's got, um, you know, more um, relevance today. So. You know, do you think that the bias will be removed in our generation or do you think that bias will have a role to play regardless for generations to come? Um, I'm, bias will uh, endure forever because we, we as human beings need a level of bias to sort of function and to make decisions. Um, I feel, though, that um, there needs to be more consistency by individuals and organisations. There are examples of, you know, stellar work, um, but it, in order to move the uh, from a sort of that going back to diversity and inclusion in the workplace, uh, and you've got to consciously do things differently and not just hope it will happen organically. And you know, I suppose for me, and I, I'm sure I touched on it um when when I presented in November but you know it's about making sure that you are recruiting and retaining and promoting everyone and Mm. thinking and looking at your practices because well you know there weren't any women that applied for this well did you run did you try and get women in it did you did you speak to your recruiters about actually I'm only going to have a trade I'm only going to have a recruitment day if you've got 50 what were you doing so I think that's really important I think this um allyship and zero tolerance don't walk by and don't walk by the small things because the small things snowball into the big things you know you let you let those slights go and then you're just setting a tone and then I think you know right now we need to have KPIs and targets in our in our businesses really from the top but if they don't exist then Build them yourself if you're a yeah. So oh. actually, I want to understand what the diversity in my team is, and I'm going to be, um, yeah, I'm going to do whatever I can to promote it. It doesn't mean that you don't employ the best person for the role, but I think also thinking about what the who the best person is. Um, yeah, I had a, a really enlightening conversation with uh, somebody I was introduced to who works for a large um, uh, software company. And they said something that really stuck with me. You know, you might think you've got, let's just say you've got a team of engineers and um, you've got a vacancy. So you've got 10 engineers and you've got a vacancy. You think, well, no, these engineers are really, really important. And therefore I want 15 years of engineering experience. And if I haven't got that, they're not good enough. So you employ that person with 15 years engineering experience. And the chances are it's probably not someone from yeah, it's probably not a female. It's probably not someone from an ethnic background. And you've created those conditions rather than thinking, well, actually, what does the team need to succeed? 
Yeah. Do I need somebody who's got 15 years worth of engineering experience? Mm-hmm. Clearly, they probably need to be an engineer. I will, I'll give you that. But can they bring other skills to the party yeah. that then create a powerful team? And therefore, actually, I don't need those 15 years. Actually, I could get a newbie. And yeah. I think you've got to change the mindset. So I have hope. I have hope for the future, but it won't happen unless we all take positive steps. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, there's a there's a, an event I was part of a number of years ago that was a, a, a real eye-opening moment for me, actually, that, that I hadn't seen something and then somebody else stood up and now that's really become more obvious to me. So I was part of a... I was part of a panel um, and we were we were doing something for a, a, a software company and another panel member said um, the diversity on this panel is not good enough and therefore I won't speak on this panel unless you adjust that and I kind of thought wow that that's really set the tone that's really made it clear and obvious because I just hadn't seen it um, yes. but now that's almost like a uh, a bit of a line for me when I when I get involved in, in in conversations now is looking at that and 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 offering that advice and and some of those sort of little little sort of um, things around well what what am I comfortable working in and and if you keep rocking up to these things you're just perpetuating and and yeah. continuing with that 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 issue those yeah. small things you mentioned aren't they yeah I I, I agree I agree you you, you sort of even though you might like even though I, I thought I was a real advocate actually until I had that conversation around um around well actually don't think about just the individual role think about the contribution they make to the team so actually I can really now see a way where I don't need and and I think we just challenge each other all the time but the important mm. thing is act on that new information they go yes. that's very interesting <laughs> I never do anything you've got to, everyone's got to act if everybody acts there'll be a massive ripple with yeah. a massive ripple will come massive change and then we'll forget that we won't even have to have this type of well hopefully a part, part of this conversation but you know dni in the workplace as a proper conversation because it's not there well, it will be a thing of the past which was yeah. a, a fantastic aspiration to have yeah absolutely absolutely you've got my got my support for sure and, and i'm sure there'll be loads of people listening to this that would have been turned on to the idea um and maybe hadn't seen things quite as as you've expressed them and now they will and there'll certainly be a lot of others i think that will grab this this idea and run with it and take some action as a result of listening to you today actually so um thanks for that and and just finally nina sort of um where next for you in in your career and your life then or or, or or is it not that clear for you? Um, maybe not the where, but I'm. Co- I think I'm constantly curious. I'm constantly wanting to build my career, be part of the decision making process. So I'm. I'm. I'm still as. At, well, probably even more. I, I'm. My ambition is just getting started. I think what I see now is an ambition that spreads more broader than just the day-to-day job I do. And so having this conversation around DNI, and um, you know, it, I just want to do more in a broader sense as well. Yeah. Um, but actually my day-to-day 
you know work I've still like I'm so curious I'm so <laughs> so that hasn't stopped I'll, I'll I'll still be rocking up you know when I'm seven I mean it's some way off but I, I still I can't never see myself stopping yeah. um because I get such energy from it I really do get so much energy from it and I hope that's always the case wow okay that's a that's a good way of putting it and um that's the end of the podcast Nina we've got wow thank all you of our questions um and I've I've certainly sort of not been disappointed by you know the the, the conversation. Really intrigued by loads of the the different things you mentioned, and I think there's been some really big messages that have come through today, and some really um, big bits of insight and inspiration. But I'd also say it's the subtlety of the approach that you have that is important for people to take on board today as well. Actually, is those subtleties in how you're leading your team both sort of passively and aggressively sorry not aggressively um proactively yeah. um balancing both of those things out um I think is something that people will 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 take from today's podcast well thank you I've enjoyed it immensely thank you very much Nina so um as always thank you for choosing to listen to what the future um, if you enjoyed this episode, then please hit subscribe and tell others about us. And finally, mentoring is a hugely valuable step on the leadership journey, and we're here to help make a difference. If you feel the same way, then please get involved. Tap the Join Us button at our webpage, which is www.futureleadersmentoring.com, and follow us on our LinkedIn page and jump in on the conversations. But for now... Um, we will speak again soon and um, we look forward to you listening to the next podcast.